0: Hey horror fans, it's Grey. The current episode was going to be the start of season 2, however, I've decided to postpone it and stay in hiatus, whatever that's supposed to mean. Hopefully another season will be coming after the summer. Thanks for listening. This is Grey Matter, a horror podcast by horror fans for horror fans. I'm Grey. Today, I'm joined by... Ash, aka Ash to Ashes. Some of you may recognize this lovely, lovely voice, as she has <laughs> been my co-host on Kill the Dead for three years, I think? I think, yeah, just about three years. Or three years September, if we're going to be concise, right?
1: I think so. Oh, gosh, hasn't been that long.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We're getting old. Too many rotations around the sun. (laughs) As always, oh, you know what? Back that up. Ash, I want to thank you for being the first guest on season two of Grey Matter. I appreciate every single one of you listeners out there. (laughs) Uh, I like to call it few and plenty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having me.
0: Yes, thank you. Thank you for agreeing to come on. Thank you for picking this movie. I actually have not uh, watched this in quite some time. I guess we should go ahead and mention that. It's, today we're talking about the 2006 remake of When a Stranger Calls. Ash picked it. I can't wait to hear your theory. However, first we have to get into something. Oh. I want to welcome you to my world. Of tidbits and fun facts last season i did kind of an icebreaker situation i decided we can't do that again it's time to up the ante so it's going to be easy for you as i, I as, Oops. <laughs> oh <what>, hold up <laughs> i'm going to ask you three questions that pertain loosely to the film or around the world of this film If you answer two out of the three correctly, you get a Grey Matter t-shirt.
1: Ooh, I like (laughs) t-shirts.
0: All right, well, let's see how you do. The first one, it's going to be an easy one just, you know, to uh, gain your trust. Uh Uh-oh. Let's start Welcome to My World. Ash, what urban myth is the original or the remake based on?
1: Um, uh, the the stranger upstairs. Do I need to know like the exact? Ding, name? Ding, ding, okay, I wasn't sure. There's like an exact like name.
0: The man <laughs> upstairs. The stranger upstairs. Someone upstairs. It all works. Cool. Second question: What city did the killer start in or go to? If you get either one of them, I'll give it to you. In the '06 version.
1: It's not California because it, it feels like it's California, but it's not California. Um,
0: oh, the city. I don't oh, know. Oh, the city. Oh. California was incorrect.
1: <laughs> I know I was like, okay. Um the city? I don't know. <laughs> yes. It was a city. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: The killers starts off, or for us, as the audience starts off in Buford and then makes his way to Fern Hill, Colorado, 125 miles away. Third and final question. Camilla Bell was born October 2nd, 1986, and as a 20-year-old, she played 16-year-old Jill Johnson in the 2006 remake. How old is Camilla turning this year?
1: Well, I didn't know there was going to be math involved. Okay. You said she was 20.
0: This is going to be timed. 10, 9, 8.
1: How old is she now?
0: 7, yes. Uh,
1: six, ch- 5. Th- sh- three, I want to say she's in her early 30s. 34? 1. 34.
0: I'm going to give it to you. She's currently 34. The question was, well, how old is she turning? She's going to turn 35. But being my first victim, I will allow it. Yes. Ash, you just won yourself a Grey Matter t-shirt.
1: I got a t-shirt. I got a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt.
0: Okay. Now to the easy stuff, to the fun stuff, the less I have to think stuff. Uh, Why don't you tell us about the movie or why you love the movie or why you picked the movie?
1: Alrighty. So, I was stuck between this film or The Descent, but I feel like the sense been talked about a lot and there's and personally i feel like the remake for when a stranger calls does not get enough love i personally enjoy the film i remember watching it when it came out um i was like 13 14 when it came out and it it really scared me because around that age like as a teenage girl like one of your first jobs is like being a babysitter or like Um, You're old enough to be home alone and all that stuff. And like this stuff can actually happen. You never know when someone's going to call you and it's a prank or not. So I feel like generally like this film is actually scary because I know after I watched it, I was scared to be home by myself. (laughs) I was like, no, can I, can I come with you? Like, I I don't care where we're going. I just, I can't be alone. So (laughs) So, like we said, this film is based on the urban legend, "The Man Upstairs," and it follows Jill, who, asks for punishment for going over her minutes, oh my gosh! Remember when that tell. used to be a thing? <laughs> yes, oh my gosh! Like I actually
0: felt for her. I've, I've been in those shoes.
1: <laughs> right, I was just like, man, like we've come a long way from that. Because I remember like getting a cell phone, you have to buy the minute cards, or like if you had a plan, you only had a certain amount of minutes till like seven o'clock. But yes, so Jill is like a high school high school student, and as punishment for going over her minutes, she is forced to babysit for a family. Um she's um babysitting and then she starts receiving weird phone calls. She doesn't know who it is or where it's coming from. So, in this film you're pretty much following Jill as she's trying to figure out who is calling, where the calls are coming from. who is this maniac? but
0: yeah it's a it's it's first of all, I grew up on the Carol Kane version, or I guess let's just say the Fred Walton version. Mm-hmm. However, when this one came out, I wasn't mad at it. It's definitely a hard represented uh, representation of its error like mm-hmm. it looks early 2000s in like the fashion, the lingo, the phones. Oh I mean, gosh, this movie was, came out two years before the iPhone did. It's like it was just on the cusp of a cell phone boom of smartphones. Ooh. Um, however, yes, so there's a rough synopsis of the movie. Again, uh, this is not a review podcast, so we're just going to move on. Ash, Lay it on us. What's your theory?
1: Alright, so I've been going back and forth with the theory or theories, and okay. th- I think the one that I'm going to go with is that the stranger knew who the family was. The, um, how do you pronounce their names? I'm sorry. The the
0: Menachuses?
1: Yeah. Mendrakis min- yeah, or something like that. I'm sorry. Yeah, like that.
0: <laughs> I know there's something Danachis in
1: it. Yes. But my theory is that um the f- um uh, the family was aware of the stranger and that the stranger could be a former patient of the father who is hell bent on destroying the family after losing his. Um I pretty much came with this theory because I'm like, when you see the house where this family lives. It's like out of nowhere. Like they're isolated from the whole town. They're the, the only house in that area. Very secluded. You don't know who lives there unless you're, you know, the family. And then another thing, how would a stranger know to go to that house? Like there's just so many little tidbits that's like made maybe uh, come up with this theory. How did he know how to get into the house? How did he know about the guest house? Like, just little things that was just like, hmm, this would be a nice theory to to form.
0: I like where your head's at. I do think that there are reasons to believe that the killer is from, or let's say the stranger. Ooh. I like that better. <laughs> The stranger is familiar with the family in some way, shape, or form for him to go all the way out there in the middle of nowhere and just hope that they have children. In which, in this case, uh, the oldest being from another marriage, as they do mention in the film, we have to believe that, or I mean, going by your theory, I would believe that he would try to attack the children, per se, when he knows the oldest one is away. Because Mm -hmm. the stranger, why would you want to fight a male or teenage male or college age male um, at all when you could just kill people like Stacy from Buford? Mm -hmm. So there's something to that in some way. Also, they were kind of in a rush.
1: Right. And that's, Like with you saying that, that makes me want to like. I have another theory Mm -hmm. about like with the film. I don't know. It's probably I don't know about your theory. I feel like we're we're probably gonna be in the same area with it. Maybe the parents were involved with it. Maybe they were behind it. You never know because sometimes people nowadays are kind of cuckoo, or even back in the day, like back the year of this film coming out, we're kind of cuckoo. But, um, yeah. <laughs> what, will your, what will your theory be? I'm curious to hear yours. Well, I'm trying to think. I
0: was I was listening to what you were saying, and I'm wondering, like, do the parents have an angle? I mean, they're well-to-do, apparently have a social life, and are semi-detached from their children as a matter of, like, Hey, this just popped up last minute. You come recommend it from someone else, but I've never met you and I didn't even introduce you to my children, but we gotta get the fuck out.
1: Yeah. That whole like that whole scene when Jill is dropped off at the house and she meets the family. I'm like, So how did her dad find this family? How does he know them? Uh why couldn't he just walk her to the door so he can introduce himself to the family like It was just kind of weird. They were too easy, lenient with that.
0: It does seem to be arranged from a small standpoint of even as a father saying, hey, it's dangerous out here. And this is why you can't drive your car, even if you weren't grounded. To be like, I'm going to let you walk into people's houses that I've never met. My 16-year-old daughter, who I don't think is responsible enough with her phone, but I'm going to trust her around strangers as well. So maybe it's a. Um, I like where you're going with this, because this makes it seem like maybe there is a sacrificial thing that has to happen within the town.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I know that okay, I'm going like all over the place with this. And I notice when when um, the stranger is chasing Jill around and she goes upstairs to, like, find the kids. The kids aren't there. The kids are already hidden. How did they go from being, like, knocked out sleep like, fighting the flu, to, like, waking up like that and able to find somewhere to hide? Like, it seemed like they were kind of, like, it was already planned. Like, they knew, like, what to do if something were to go down. Yeah.
0: You know what? I never thought about that. The children do cower in, like, a chest or whatever. Mm-hmm. For no real reason of a threat, unless they are a part of it,
1: right? I'm just like, do do they have like maybe like, you know, like sometimes like in, in case of emergency plans, like families practice. Okay, if somebody's breaking the house, you need to hide here and be quiet. Oh, if there's an earthquake, we need to do this, like run some type of drill. Maybe that could be it. But I was just like, that's kind of. That's kind of that's kind of fishy, because what we know as viewers, the kids are fighting the flu, <laughs> Mhm. I don't know about you, but if I have the flu, I'm gonna be too weak to do anything i would like I wouldn't want to get up like even if it's like fighting for my life, like I'll be like, you know what that's it,
0: <laughs> so you think the whole family's in on it then,
1: mhm like for shits and giggles like oh you know what's fun let's pretend we're going out for a night in the town get a babysitter and then possibly cuz okay there's another one we're not sure what kind of doctor the father is we don't know if he's like a plastic surgeon we don't know if he's like a like we don't know what what type of like um medicine he practices yeah maybe if he works with like the mentally ill patients like a psychiatric ward maybe he uh, paid one of his patients to like hey I got this thing like I'm going to pay you this money if you come over my house and go after this babysitter I don't know like it's just (laughs) I have so much so many ideas going through my head
0: but I think your latter one is closer of the parents arranging this to happen. Like a uh you know, they always say like rich people have fight clubs and stuff like that. And this is yeah. just one of those games of like people. I can't think of the name because I wasn't I wasn't ready for this ash, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I think this is this is something here because Yeah, like even if Rosa saw anything, she's not gonna say anything. No, and maybe she she's didn't. just literally there to clean up when after it's over. But it doesn't explain why he murdered her.
1: Right. I don't know. Hmm.
0: And perhaps it's just to make it look like it was this was a thing.
1: Right. Just like a throwaway person. Like, okay, I gotta make it look legit. But hmm. Now I'm thinking of another one, but I'm just gonna stop.
0: <laughs> no, I don't I don't I don't think you have to stop per se, but I think that I have to rewatch this now because I think that you whatever I could have possibly come up with, this is the better route to have gone.
1: What did you come up with? I think I think that
0: Jill actually murdered Tiffany, and that wasn't the killer at all. Ooh. One, because, you know, she hooked up with her boyfriend, and she said it was her right. She was owed this. We do know that Jill has some type of trouble past as far as, like, not trouble past, but... Troubled as in, like, she's upset. She rips the picture of them, their friends, off her phone, like within the first two minutes of the film or whatever. And that she's not okay with her punishment. So, like, she's upset in general. It needs to take it out on someone.
1: Hmm. And I say, Tiffany did go and kiss her man. Hmm. She did. <laughs> that would drive a girl crazy. Huh.
0: Yeah, I agree. Now, I know what most people would say listening at home is that why does she react when she sees her in the bathroom? I think that the killer moved the body into the house, and that's what startled her. It isn't so much that she's seen her dead friend. is that she murdered her friend, and then the killer brought the body in the house, so now he knows. So there's only one way this can go. She has to kill him if this is going to work out in her favor. Can't leave any witnesses.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. That got me thinking. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Because that kind of, I could see that working out because, huh.
0: I mean, she kissed her man and she wasn't even sorry about it.
1: Right. She's like, well, like, you know, I liked him since the ninth grade. And then he yep. fell for you. Like, girl. This is so high school. I mean, I mean they're in high school, but that is like legit some high school high school it's, crap right there. Like I know it's ugh. sixteen
0: hours away, but it's kind of like Jennifer and Needy. Oh. Where you know, and actually even more so is that if we were gonna go with this is a game or a sacrificial thing, it kind of is in line with the same things that are going on in Minnesota. And the Devil's Kettle area, I believe that's where the film takes place. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So if the if the killers travel from town to town and if we were just going to go with, you know, I think the movies are two or three years apart, maybe it just took different versions of the killer to make it to Minnesota still preying upon high school girls. This was not at all a weak attempt to bring Jennifer's body <laughs> into the Winter Stranger's Calls Uh, universe at all i (laughs) will agree that that part is a stretch but it really makes you go hmm
1: right oh
0: because you still have the juxtaposed thing of a blonde and a brunette although this way it's flopped to where tiffany's the blonde and she's a bitch versus jennifer was a brunette and a bitch
1: Mm -hmm. that whole like toxic friendship Type of yeah, video. which
0: Tiffany clearly displays in all its glory with her, you know, 10 minutes of screen time before she meets her demise.
1: Mm-hmm. Huh. And then how else would she know, like, that. that's what, okay, with this film, <laughs> like, everyone knew, like, Jill's, like, group of friends or whatever, they knew, like, where exactly the house was, they knew the house number and all that stuff. I'm just like, How? Like, I know when she talks to Scarlett, played by Tessa Thompson.
0: <laughs> forgot she was in this movie, too.
1: Her little film debut. She was like, oh, did you give Bobby my uh, the house number? So I can see that because she's like, okay, you give her my number. But how did Tiffany get the number and the address to the place? Especially if they're not friends anymore. Or they're going through, like, their issues. No, I agree. Hmm. Unless maybe, Unless maybe Jill told Scarlett to tell Tiffany, so that way Jill could plan for Tiffany to come over to the house and off her. Huh. There
0: could be something there. I also thought that, you know, there's one other red herring that I'm not really sure goes anywhere, but it's in the film, so I, I wanted to bring it up today is that we have when Jill meets Mrs. Mendrakis and Mr. and Mrs. Mandrakis? Mrs takes her around the house and gives her a tour of the kitchen or not the kitchen uh the aquarium what do you call that koi pond like, oh yeah <laughs> and um through the atrium area and what have you and then she takes her into the kitchen shows her a phone list of I believe the hospital and where they practice surgery and then mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Medrakis' cell phone, I want to believe. Her son, Todd, who gets a name. Which, Todd, yuck. <laughs> and um, Rose is up there, too. And then we have Aunt June, who doesn't appear in the movie as like a, a voice or a, a reference. You know, Todd's recognized as the other son from another marriage. Small backstory, supposed to be in the guest house. Rosa shows up later cleaning the house and tending to the uh, birds and what have you. But on June, it's just up there. No real clue why. Like, what is she going to do? Why is she on there if you didn't tell her anything about her?
1: Huh. I didn't even notice that I, I i remember the phone list, but I didn't really pay attention to the name like I recognized like the it was like the restaurant number, Todd's number, and the um like the cell like their cell phone number, but I didn't notice Aunt June huh.
0: yeah, there's even one more uh the neighbor I forget the last name, but the first name is Allison on there. What neighbor? There was no house. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not really sure whatsoever. So why go through and even mention anything about them on the sheet for them not to play into anything else later? There were so many people, not so many, but you know, there are a fair amount of people that appear in the film or are mentioned in the film or are given purpose in a backstory or reappear at some point. Except for, no. Even Bobby gets a small amount of screen time. (laughs) The cop shows up.
1: Were you kind of suspicious with the cop? I was noticing some things with him.
0: At first, yes. I thought it was going to be like the cop is in on it or something like that Mm -hmm. back in 06. This time around, obviously, I already know how it ends. <laughs> but I don't think that in the original urban story that, like, the cop is foul or anything like that. I know this is loosely based on an actual true story of somewhat. And just got you know, spun into urban lore.
1: Yeah, I know. It's like... Let's see. It was when she first called him and he was just like asking her all the questions. And then he was like, "What's the address?" And she tells him the address, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I know that house." I was like, oh, "Yeah,
0: really? apparently everyone knows that house except for Jill and her family. The <laughs> right, Johnsons I'm... never been to the hills of Fernhill."
1: Yeah, hmm. I was just like, "Huh? How do you, how do you know this house? You and know all that too?" It's so, like. <laughs> but yeah I like that just stood out to me but then at the end of the movie I was like okay he he obviously, like, obviously was just doing his job he doesn't play a crazy role in it
0: no I mean he's serviceable and it's fine it didn't really add anything to the story for me when he came to rescue her other than obviously he's real
1: mm-hmm.
0: but uh, in real life dispatch people do not go into the field so it was kind of stupid, but it's fine.
1: <laughs> Teenagers think
0: aren't thinking off. about that,
1: <laughs> right? I, huh. I'm trying. To well, I think. think stuff.
0: Well, I think yours is the better one of. I guess let's say the main three, of the parents are in on it. Perhaps that they are tired of being parents. Maybe they're adopted. Maybe, maybe. Is June's kids. June passed away and uh, they don't want to be parents. Oh. And the phone tree is just old and hadn't been updated.
1: Huh. Okay. Oh. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's the only thing I can think of to get rid of children or to not care about the children in any way, shape, or form, and possibly be upset that uh, Jill was such a good babysitter.
1: Like, Damn, she actually did her job. <laughs> she <laughs> she actually protected the children. Dang. Huh. I don't know.
0: We'll see. Win some, lose some. Uh, I do have to ask you, though, if back sometime during covid the writer for the film talked about maybe doing a sequel uh-huh do you want to see Jill and what she's been up to or do you want to see a new babysitter same stranger or a new story altogether in modern time
1: good question cuz i know originally around the time this this film came out the sequel was Greenlit and Hayden Pantier was supposed to play the lead. I think it was like titled When a Stranger Calls Back. But so, for some reason, that movie didn't take off. Like they didn't even get, to, get the chance to even film it and it was just dropped. So I think, I, yeah, what you just said, I think I actually just read about it. Because um, I think so far for the possible premise, it will follow Jill with. Her own family, and dealing with the stranger coming back and going after her and her family.
0: Oh, so there's a treatment for this already?
1: A little bit, yeah. Like that's just like a little premise they're playing around with. Um,
0: I like the idea of her having her own family, and possibly, maybe it's just a passing the torch. The same killer comes looking for Joe, but her husband out night on dinner, babysitter gets terrorized. Mm. I just caught in crosshair binge.
1: Cuz it's been it's been a long time since I have seen like the original but mm. later on the original the uh Carol Carol Kane character like she has her yeah. own family and she ends up dealing with the the stranger again, right?
0: yeah and the uh like the later hat.
1: okay, so maybe that's like what they're trying to do, but I wouldn't mind seeing like a a complete like a, a reboot of when a stranger calls, especially like with how
0: oh, so like, you want a reboot and not a sequel
1: yeah i'll be i i would rather see a re- a reboot
0: Interesting. Especially
1: with, with, especially with like how everything is nowadays, like look at the technology, the cell phones like. It's a whole complete different generation. Okay, Today, I got $9 they're... million.
0: Dollars. I'm investing in you. Give me the pitch.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know about the pitch.
0: <laughs> but you want this reboot.
1: I know. Okay, look, give me a second. Let's see. All right. I don't know. <laughs> you put me on the spot. <laughs>
0: I was just I was just seeing what you got and you seem to know more about the potential sequels than I do. Uh, I only remember this in passing. I didn't ever bother researching it. So I was just interested in uh, tickling your little ivory brain keys.
1: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, like, you
1: know, maybe we'll... Oh, so go
0: ahead. Well, I was thinking if they did do a reboot of it, I guess you could focus more so on not... A babysitter because I'm not really sure if babysitting is really that scary anymore because of Google and right. internet but if you were able to create a situation to where a teenager was forced to be alone like maybe take it back to the carnival in the beginning they're at a carnival where they he makes his first kill so perhaps a babysitter is taking um, two kids to a carnival Her cell phone gets damaged because kids, and then danger ensues from there. At first, she thinks it's in her mind, and then the killer definitely does something to make itself be known. But there's some type of event going on to where she can't leave the grounds. Maybe she loses her car keys. Maybe there's an outside threat of, like, I don't know, power went out. Hmm. Someone escaped from asylum. Got to do a head count. Thunderstorm. Okay. Kentucky police. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Okay. Yeah, I need to think about a re. Like, I feel like maybe it could still go along with the whole babysitting, but like as her punishment, she has no cell phone. She has nothing. She has no cell phone, no laptop. I'm just kidding. But Uh, oh, it have to be iPad. Huh.
0: That's when she whips out the iPad.
1: True, so I feel like if it like there is a reboot, it would have to be something that would actually like just devastate a teenager. Like something that would get them like in major trouble to take away like their whole lifeline of things they need. Mm Hmm. But then again, the, a
0: sequel does not sound bad. Hmm. No, I mean, I, I think a reboot's fine. You just have to come up with a device for taking away the phone. So whether it's she got in trouble in school and the principals take away phones in the beginning, but then it kind of doesn't give you the babysitter thing or wait for the villain to call. So just making sure that plot device is intact it would take some more fleshing out just because technology will render this urban myth kind of useless.
1: Right. Okay. Okay.
0: But you know, if you ever come up with something, let me know. I'm always <laughs> down to theorize about things.
1: I mean as long as you got the nine million dollars. <laughs>
0: uh forever and always. Sometimes in my dreams.
1: <laughs> uh uh-uh. hmm. <laughs>
0: Okay, Ash, well, uh, thank you for being on the show. I enjoyed your theories in this conversation. Uh, do you want to tell the people what you got coming, what you're up to? Uh,
1: well, you can catch me on Kill the Dead podcast, of course. What, what? <laughs> right. And then um, also, if you want to hear more of this beautiful voice, you can check out my brand new podcast, Rise from the Dead podcast, where myself and a special, I said special, special guest... <laughs> uh review a lesser known horror job and then we re- re- we review it and then we decide if it should rise from the dead or stay buried and
0: that show name one more time was
1: rise from the dead podcast
0: details in the show notes and then still have no ending so goodbye uh-uh. <laughs>